0: Hell has not frozen over, pigs still can't fly, and it's not Armageddon. But the basketball gods in their infinite wisdom have seen fit to bring together North Carolina and Duke to play in the NCAA tournament for the first time in the Final Four in Coach K's last year and Coach Davis's first year and I don't think my heart can handle this and I'm guessing yours probably can't either. Not to mention, today is also the one year anniversary of Coach Williams' retirement. (sighs) we're going to get into all of it on today's episode of locked on tar heels you are locked on tar heels your daily podcast on the unc tar heels part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Hey there, it's Friday, April 1st, 2022. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, beat writer for Sports Illustrated's North Carolina site. And I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. Except for you, Jared White. You just listen when you can, brother. We appreciate you. Seriously, though, Locked on Tar Heels is free and available anywhere you get your podcast. And for those of you watching on YouTube, what's up? Would love for you to subscribe too. As we've been saying all week on the pod, our goal is to get to a thousand YouTube subscribers by the end of the NCAA tournament, which is three days from now on Monday. And as of this recording, we're on our way. We're at 921. Thank you so much to everyone who subscribed. Keep doing it. Keep telling friends. We can do this. We can make it happen. Well, it is Final Four Eve. We're going to hashtag ruin another retirement party tomorrow. That's the goal for the North Carolina Tar Heels. And as we think about that, I'd love for you to check out a bonus episode that is out today between myself and Locked On Blue Devils host, J.J. Jackson, a little Final Four crossover we did. And so you can find that in the podcast stream. You can find it on YouTube and listen to that. Or if you just can't bear to listen to the Duke banter, just watch this. Just listen to this and it'll all be good. No worries there. Well, as we said off the top today, April 1st is the one year anniversary of Roy Williams' retirement from college basketball. It cannot be true that it has been that long, but here we are. And so what I wanted to do today, I know we have this huge game to unpack, but I just wanna share a personal story about Roy Williams. Just thought that would be a very appropriate way to start this show before we get into all the hoopla of the Final Four. So, let me take you back to March of 2017. It was a great year the North Carolina Tar Heels won the national championship. Their Sweet 16 and Elite Games, the games in which they played Butler and Kentucky What Up Luke May, were taking place in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, it just so happened, I I was not yet a a writer for Sports Illustrated. I was writing my own North Carolina basketball blog, nothing really official. And so yes, I was covering games, but we were actually on spring break for my full-time job as a professor. And so we were going to visit some family friends down in Alabama. And it just so happens that Memphis is right on the way from our house down to Alabama. So we thought, hey, let's stop, spend the night in Memphis, and then go to North Carolina's open practice on Wednesday, the day before uh, the first games of the Sweet 16. Great, good idea. We did that. So on uh, Wednesday morning, we got up and we started walking. We were going to go to the Peabody Hotel to see the Duck Parade, and we thought that'd be really neat. But... As we're walking, we see this really tall gentleman walking by with a couple other people, and turned out it was I was like that is Eric Montross, and there's Jones Angel and Adam Lucas, who you might know as Jones as the voice of the Tar Heels, and those two gentlemen host the Carolina Insider podcast, and so we're like hey let's go see if we can catch up to them, and and just say hi and thanks for all you guys do. So we started um, trying to track them down and we just could never catch up with them, but they went into this building and turned out it was the Peabody. And so our family, my wife and I, we just had our son Paxton at the time. We didn't have our daughter yet. And so we went in to see if we could find the ducks. And while we were waiting in the lobby, lo and behold, who should come downstairs but assistant coach Steve Robinson? And me, being at that point essentially just a fan, said, Hey, Maggie, I think this might be where the Tar Heels are staying. So we just hung around in the lobby. And wouldn't you know it, just one by one starts trickling down the players and the coaching staff. Here comes Isaiah Hicks and Kennedy Meeks. And then Roy Williams himself steps off the elevator. Well, my son Paxton was holding this little tiny Carolina basketball. And he was playing with it. And he just dropped it. And it rolled on the floor. And where should it land but at the feet of none other than the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, Roy Williams. And so here is Coach and my son standing just a few feet apart with this ball, my son's ball at Coach's feet. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, I'm going to put a picture of this up so you can see it as I'm talking about it. And so Coach looks down, sees my son, smiles at him and waves, and uh, picks up the ball, hands it back and goes on about their day. It was really neat while we were in the lobby there, Justin Jackson and Tony Bradley both signed my son's basketball, really cool, and just, hey, what a neat encounter to happen upon the Tar Heels, and that was great. Well, let's fast forward just a little bit to the open practice. If you've ever been to one of these NCAA tournament open practices, it's free to the public, it's open, and you can sit wherever you can find a seat. And so we got there just as UCLA was finishing off their open practice. UCLA was playing Kentucky in the Sweet 16, that's the Lonzo Ball team. And so, since it was about to be the changeover, some seats had emptied out in the first row of the seating. And so we thought, hey, let's just go sit there, all three of us, we'll hang out, we'll watch Carolina practice, it'll be awesome. Well, as practice is going on, Coach Williams just happens to walk by, and he remembers my son. And he says, hey, there's my buddy again. And he just stood there and took a moment with him. If, if you're watching on YouTube, again, I'm going to put a picture of that up so you can see it. Just the back of my son's head and Coach Williams smiling at him, having a moment. As a father, I, I cannot tell you how much that meant to me. It was a very special moment that a man that did not have to do that took his time out of, of having his practice with his team to make a moment for my son. And then after the open practice, we're, we're walking through the concourse and I went to go use the bathroom and my wife and, uh, and Paxton, my son, stayed out in the concourse and wouldn't you know it, came walking by Coach Williams and Miss Wanda while I'm in the bathroom missing them. And coach, once again, remembers my son. Hey, there's my buddy. How you doing? And they were just headed off to eat with their family uh, and some friends and just stopped and, and talked to my son again. But here's the really cool thing. My son was one at the time, his birthday that October, we were having like a basketball themed birthday party. And I thought, how neat would it be for this basketball party if Coach Williams would sign that picture of my son from the open practice, where they're just having that special moment together. And I thought, it probably will never happen, but let's just write out a little letter about what the story was, include the picture, and see if, if anything will come of it. So sent it off, wrote the story, and um, wouldn't you know it, several months later comes back this picture. Signed by Coach Williams. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put the picture up so you can see it as I'm talking. Dear Paxton, best wishes, Roy Williams. And that picture every day, to this day, hangs up in my son's bedroom as a special reminder of what a neat thing that was. And so, yes, sports are awesome and we love these games. But at the end of the day, it's all about the people and the stories that play them and the humanity that is within all of us. And that is what is so special to me about the man that Roy Williams is and why he is so widely regarded, not just by the Carolina family, but by the college basketball brotherhood. Thank you, Coach Williams, for the man that you are. Yes, the championships you brought and the wins and everything, but the way you developed all the young men in your care, the way that you developed everyone under you in your care, the men, the women, the managers, the coaches, everyone, to be better people because they had had an encounter with you. Thank you. Woo, okay. Did not mean that to get emotional, but we did. As for the current edition of Coach Williams' Favorite Team, the Tar Heels literally have the chance to end Coach K's career in walk-off fashion tomorrow in the Final Four. What more could you ask for against your bitter rival than that? How exactly can the Tar Heels accomplish that goal? We're going to talk about it in just a moment with my Four Corners game preview, but before we get there, let me tell you about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bars are great candy bar replacement options covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include Mint Brownie, Coconut, Coconut Almond, and new for this month is White Chocolate Shamrock. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They're gonna make it taste delicious first and then come back later and figure out how to make it healthy. Honestly, not sure how they pull it off, but they do it every single time. So, go to built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, and you're gonna be blown away by these numbers. High protein, low calories, high fiber, low carbs. Here's some of the numbers for you. 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, only 4 net carbs, but yet 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which has somewhere around 240 calories, 300 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You don't want that noise. So, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Well, I I just want to tell you, we are seeing such great reviews coming in on Apple Podcasts. To those of you that have taken time to give the show five stars, rate and review, thank you because that is helping get this show, this community of Tar Heel family out to other people who might not know about it yet. So if you haven't had the opportunity to rate and review and five stars this thing, please just take a moment and go do that while you're hanging out or while you're listening. And now, let us talk about this game. But before we discuss it, let me say this one thing to all of us very loud and clear. Whatever it is that happens in this first ever meeting between North Carolina and Duke in any round of the NCAA tournament, whatever the outcome may be, that outcome will ultimately pale in comparison To the fact that the 2021-22 North Carolina Tar Heels, under the direction of brand new first year head coach Hubert Davis, made the Final Four. That's your headline, that's the story. Regardless of what people try to say or what they make it out to be or how big they make a North Carolina win or a North Carolina loss seem, that is the story of this season regardless of Saturday's outcome. Now, with that said, this is a monster huge game. Given all this context, the first time they've played in any round, in the final four, Coach Davis's first year, Coach K's last year. Given all that context, this is the biggest, most gargantuan national semifinal in the history of the NCAA tournament. I defy you to find me one bigger. Seriously, Hollywood itself cannot write a script this good. And we found that out at the Oscars. The only script that was worth watching at the Oscars, that little nice, crazy slap we had from Will Smith on Chris Rock. What happened there? I have no idea. Well, if ever there was a time to use the old sports cliche, throw out the record books, this is it. Duke looked like they had peaked earlier this season. I really thought, kind of like that 2019 Duke team. They peaked and then never really went anywhere. But this Duke team has taken off in the NCAA tournament. They have looked like a wholly different team. But you know who else has? North Carolina, absolutely. So given that setup, given this kind of even... Um, rise that both these teams have had, what does Carolina need to do to win? Well, for those of you who are checking it out for the first time the show, every time we have a game, I do what I call a four corners game preview in an homage to Coach Dean Smith and his four corners offense. So, the first of the four corners, the things that I'm watching for, the things that I believe are going to most influence this game, the first is this. Leaky Black has to, once again, shut down A.J. Griffin. A.J. Griffin, why are we talking about Palo Bancaro? Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. A.J. Griffin, because game one, A.J. Griffin scores 27 points against North Carolina. A huge tally. His career high. You know what he did last time? The game in Cameron? The game when Leakey was on him most of the time? A.J. Griffin was two for five from the field, one for three from three for just five total points in 30-something minutes played. Why? Hashtag leaky lockdown, just like everyone else. Now, I'm imagining that what Coach Davis is going to do is once again put leaky on A.J. Griffin, allow Brady Manick to do his best to stay in front of, use his height, his size, his length to guard Palo Bancaro. I know Bancaro is more athletic, is quicker than Manic, but Manic does have more size than Leaky and probably will be able to bother him. Manic is still not... An elite or great defender, but he has been playing much better defense, staying in front of his target, in front of his mark, staying vertical, getting his hands up, doing the things he needs to do. Bancaro is going to get his, but Manic's goal is to limit him. However, if Leaky Black can essentially eliminate A.J. Griffin and take him out of the equation, that is going to be huge for North Carolina's prospects of winning this game. Four Corners point number two. Armando Baycott over Mark Williams for the best center in this game. Mark Williams voted the defensive player of the year. Notice I didn't say he was the defensive player of the year. We just talked about the defensive player of the year. You know who that was. But Mark Williams, take nothing away from him, is an imposing presence on defense, a phenomenal player inside and in the interior, but he is not Armando Baycott. Yes, Baycott is a little bit shorter, but... Nobody is doing what he does from a consistency standpoint. This dude just finished with 20 and 22 against an, under, an undersized overmatched St. Peter's team. I get that. But still, who's doing that at this level of the NCAA tournament? Armando Bacot has four double-doubles in four NCAA tournament games. He has the most double-doubles in all of Division I this season. He has now tied Tim Duncan for the most double-doubles ever in a single season of the ACC. That is what he's doing, and he has to continue to assert himself once again against Mark Williams in this game, similar to what he did in the game at Cameron. Baycott got the better of that battle. Now, here's a a sub-point to watch in this Baycott-Williams battle. How are the refs calling this game? We talked about that some yesterday, watching the refs and what they're doing. Hopefully the refs will, I mean, not not murder and kill each other, but hopefully the refs will let these guys bang and play a little bit, and I think that'll be good. Armando wants to get physical. He wants to get into Williams, get these offensive rebounds, score, rebound, and help the Tar Heels. I'm not worried about Baycott. He's going to be consistent, but what I am concerned about is the official's whistle. It's going to be important for both teams for both these guys to be on the court, and so that's going to be an important thing to watch. Four Corners point number three. Whose turn is it in the backcourt? We keep switching back and forth between R.J. Davis and Caleb Love having these monster games. Whose turn is it going to be? My guess is Caleb Love and I will tell you why. I'm going to tell you why because I'm going to start by talking about R.J. Davis. In the NCAA tournament, Duke has once again reinserted Jeremy Roach into their starting lineup, which I believe is a big reason why they have been playing so much better. Because they don't With Trevor Keels in the lineup, they don't really have a true point guard to help navigate and facilitate a game. And as you know, as we've talked about a lot in these weeks of the NCAA tournament, you have to have elite guard play to win at this level. Jeremy Roach brings that in a a more pure form than does Trevor Keels. And so that has been really helpful to Duke. The win for that in R.J. Davis is Trevor Keels is built like a linebacker. R.J. Davis is not. But Jeremy Roach is much more similarly sized to R.J. Davis and is a better mark for R.J. Davis, quite frankly. So what R.J. Davis has to do is essentially take Roach out of the game similar to what Leaky Black did to Kihei Clark in the ACC Tournament Quarterfinals. Remember that? Big ol' 6'8 Leaky on little 5'10 Kihei Clark. Kihei Clark establishes and makes go the Virginia offense. But he couldn't because Leaky was on him like... Couldn't do anything. And so R.J. Davis needs to do that same thing, not allow Roach to initiate the offense, get up into his grill, cause him problems and disruption, and not let him get going. What does that allow uh, the rest of the Tar Heel defenders to do? Just really be up on their man, because Roach can't do what he needs to do. But because of that is why I think that Caleb Love is gonna have the bigger offensive game. Because I think R.J. Davis is gonna need to necessarily spend a lot of his time and attention and energy on the defensive end stopping Roach. Now, not that Caleb Love's gonna have it... easy with what he's got to do defensively against Wendell Moore, but I think that that is an easier offensive matchup for Caleb. And so I see him able to score. Keep in mind that Caleb Love for me is going to be something of an X factor in this game. Oh, cool. Shade. Yeah, that's great. Choose choose the uh, most NBA high prospect from the Carolina roster to be your X factor. Great way to go out on a limb with that one. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. However, the numbers bear out that as Caleb Love goes, so goes the Tar Heels. For example, Manic has been incredibly consistent. Armando Baycott has been incredibly consistent. You know what you're gonna get out of those guys. So while I'm tempted to say Brady Manik is the X factor, I think his consistency removes him from that consideration and makes it Caleb Love. Here's a little bit of data for you. Caleb Love in his career as a Tar Heel over the course of both of these years, when he scores 20 or more points, The North Carolina Tar Heels are 14-0. Yeah, you're hearing that right. This year, when Caleb Love has five or more assists, the Tar Heels are 14-0. What does that tell you? When Caleb Love is on and having a great game, the Tar Heels win. Like, by definition, right? When you're literally undefeated in those types of games. So Caleb Love either needs to be scoring, he needs to be on, attacking the rim, getting downhill like he's been doing going back to the UCLA game. That second half where he dropped 27, it started because he attacked the rim. Now, if shots aren't falling, what does that mean? Then he needs to fall back and rely on distributing, getting his teammates involved and getting up to those five or more assists. So I'm looking for Caleb Love to do one or both, hopefully, of those two things, either scoring 20 or more points or having five or more assists is going to really help Carolina's chances. And the last part of the fourth of the four corners, and I think the most important one, is that Carolina has to take advantage of and attack Duke's porous defense. If you go back to the Pittsburgh game that Carolina lost at home, remember that Q4 loss when it was like the world was falling apart? At barttorvik.com, one of the great college basketball analytics websites, you can set uh, data for a period of time. If you set the period of time to be from after that Pittsburgh game up through current day, so like six weeks essentially, North Carolina is 10-1. and They rank by Bart Torvik's metrics as the number one team in the nation in that span. I'm not exaggerating. That's literal. You can go check it out yourself. In that span, they rank as the fifth most efficient defense in the country. Uh, The Duke Blue Devils in that span, 171st in defense. I'm not exaggerating. That's literally what those numbers show. It's exactly the game script, the game plan that Carolina ran to perfection in the second half of the game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So here's what it's got to be. Carolina, using R.J. Davis as the initiator, has to involve Mark Williams in ball screen action, just like they did in that game. And what does that allow? Well, if RJ Davis gets a switch, he can drive Mark Williams. He can step back, pop a three. If uh, they are able to get Baycott open, rolling to the rim off the screen, that's an easy deuce, hopefully. If someone rolls over for help defense, Brady Manick is a great relocator outside the three-point line and has the quickest catch and release I have seen in a long time. There's all these options coming off of that, and Duke proved incapable of guarding that ball action in the last game. Now, we've also seen them switch to a zone in recent games in the NCAA tournament when they struggled, like against Michigan State. If they do that, great, congratulations. Now Brady, Manic, RJ Davis, and Caleb Love are raining threes all over you all night long. Carolina can win this game if they attack Duke's porous defense, and I think we're going to see that happen. Why? I think Duke is still feeling pressure. They've been playing looser. However, as the lights continue to get brighter, the pressure to help send Coach K out on his white horse with his trophy continues to get strong, and I'm not so sure that this young team can handle it on the Final Four stage. Well, you can imagine who I am picking to win this North Carolina-Duke game. But my national champion pick might come as something of a surprise to you. Who is it? My picks for this weekend, all the games, and the most outstanding player of the NCAA Tournament Final Four all coming up in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has finally been able to determine the teams for this Final Four matchup and are going to get the national champion this coming weekend. In fact, their odds are these. Duke at 3-2 odds. Kansas at 2-1, Villanova 22-5, and North Carolina at 19-4 odds, the longest of the four teams. So, got great, uh, good opportunity there with the Tar Heels, if you want it. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it, BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, predictions, that's what we all wanna hear. That's what we get excited about. Tell me what's going to happen in these games. Well, I've just laid out my case for you for North Carolina, the key things that we're watching in the Four Corners preview. And so, yes, absolutely, I think Carolina is going to win this game. However, I don't think they'll cover. The spread has fluctuated back and forth between four and four and a half. And um, I think it's just going to be one of those games that comes down to a, a last shot or a bucket in the last minute that wins it. And so Carolina to win, Duke to cover is what I'm going with. Now, on the other side of the bracket, We've got two other Blue Bloods in Kansas and Villanova. What an incredible Final Four this is. How can you not love this as a college basketball fan? When you look at these four teams together, they have won four of the last six national championships, seven of the last 13 national championships, and we're just about to make it five out of seven and eight out of 14. So crazy, right? Simple math. If there's four teams in a tournament, one of them has to win it. That's why I can confidently say that uh, new updated information to you. Well, you might have heard or you might have seen last week in the Elite Eight, Villanova, in the last minute of their Elite Eight victory, lost their second leading scorer, Justin Moore, to an Achilles rupture. Ouch, yikes, that hurts. Just more get better, brother. Uh, We just hate to see that anytime injuries happen to a player. Unfortunately, though, for Villanova, I just don't think Colin Gillespie and company are going to have enough to overcome everything Kansas has. Um, Kansas hasn't looked awesome for a lot of the tournament, but holy cow, they absolutely blitzed Miami in the second half of their Elite Eight game. Uh, between Ochai Obeidi and Remy Martin, I think David McCormick might finally have a nice big game against this undersized Villanova team. I just don't see any way that Villanova can overcome that injury and upset the Jayhawks. I've got Kansas moving on to the national championship game, where they will face off with—I uh, <laughs> almost said with Roy Williams and the Tar Heels. How funny is that? Where Kansas will face off with North Carolina. Here's what I love. I have this vision, this beautiful vision of Monday night. Who's the Who's this coach that's getting honored, this retired coach? Because at that point, Coach K is going to be retired because he will have lost on Saturday. <laughs> the retired coach that's getting honored at halftime of the North Carolina-Kansas game is Roy Williams. What poetic, poetry, beautiful justice would that be if Coach K has already lost and Coach Williams' two teams are the teams in the national championship, Right that'd be pretty cool. Let's honor him. Let's make that happen. But unfortunately, here's what I'm going to say. You know how emotionally draining, how physically draining, how mentally draining these North Carolina Duke matchups are, particularly this one. And so because of that, I think North Carolina, or I'm not think North Carolina is going to beat Duke, but then they will have expended so much energy and Kansas, I don't think, is going to have to have worked as hard against Villanova. And I see the Kansas Jayhawks beating the North Carolina Tar Heels to win Bill Self's second NCAA championship. It brings me no pleasure to say that, but that's just as I forecast ahead, that is what I think will happen. Now, what about the most outstanding player of the tournament? We've got um, some odds here to win from uh, Bet Online. For that, the the most outstanding player. Let me just list off the first couple for you. Paolo Bancaro, top of the list, five to two odds. Ochai Baji from Kansas, four to one. Colin Gillespie from Villanova, nine to one. Jermaine Samuels also Villanova, nine to one. Armando Baycott, ten to one. Remy Martin, a guard from Kansas, ten to one. A.J. Griffin, Brady Manick, Caleb Love, Christian Braun, Jeremy Ro, No, not Jeremy Roach. Sorry. Griffin, Manick, Love, Braun, all at twenty to one odds. Roach, Mark Williams, Justin Moore, I wouldn't take those odds on him, yikes. Um, So Roach and Williams each have 25 to one odds and it goes on from there. So here's what I'm gonna say for my most outstanding player. Initially, earlier this week, I thought it would be a really neat story. Since I'm picking Kansas to win, obviously I've got to pick a Jayhawk to take home the MOP. And I said, what an interesting story it would be for Remy Martin to come along and win the MOP of this. He was voted the preseason Big 12 Player of the Year. Just really struggled a lot throughout the year. Kind of got into Bill Self's doghouse some, but has come back to life in this NCAA tournament and is playing really well. Meanwhile, Ochai Agbaji, who is Kansas's truly best player, hasn't done as much in the tournament. But I think he comes to life this weekend. And with Kansas winning, I think it's Agbaji that takes home the 2022 NCAA tournament MOP. Boy, I would love to be wrong. Come on, Tar Heels, do this thing bring it home. Hubert Davis, first-year coach. What a story that what a story it already is, but what an even crazier story it would already be if the Tar Heels could win. Well, friends, that is it for this episode of Locked On Tar Heels. That's it for this week of Locked On Tar Heels. This is Oh man, what an NCAA tournament run it's been. It's been so fun to share these moments with you. I hope you've had a blast talking through all this with me, thinking through all it with me, yelling at me through the computer when you think I'm wrong about something. That's why this is so fun. Again, as we say all the time, I would be so honored if you would go and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube. Again, please remember, we're trying to hit that 1,000 subscribers mark by the end of the national championship game on Monday. We're well on the way, but you can help by spreading the news to your friends and family and others and asking them to join us and subscribe. And if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at LockedOnHeels. If you wanna follow me on Twitter, it's right here below you if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening, it's at Isaac Shade. My name, I-S-A-A-C-S-C-H-A-D-E. That's at Isaac Shade on Twitter. Also, I love talking with people, talking about college basketball and sports and college football and anything else, Tar Heels or other. And so if you'd love to talk more with me, please email the show, locked on tar at gmail.com would love to talk with you there. Well, coming up on Monday's show, we've either got a national championship game to preview or we've got one heck of a season to to be thankful for and to recap and celebrate. Either way, again, what a wild ride it's been. Thanks so much for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listen every day, and now let me encourage you to make Locked On NFL Draft your second listen today. Ryan Tracy, an NFL cornerback, former NFL cornerback, excuse me, Eric Crocker, bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available anywhere you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for spending your week and part of your Friday hanging out with me, talking Carolina with me. Don't forget we have that crossover episode with uh, Locked on Tar Heels. JJ Jackson would love for you to check that out and and hear some some insight from the Duke perspective. I I just hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. I hope it's stress-free for you. I know I will not be. As you listen to this, I am on my way to New Orleans to be there at the games in the room. One of the things I'm looking forward to next week is giving you a little behind-the-scenes look at what it was like to be at the Final Four. Well... You know what? Regardless of what happens, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next time, peace!